today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Holy conduct and godliness don't come automatic, do they? We don't just wake up in the morning and boom, we're, we're headed on the godly way. We're headed on the holy way. No, it is continual conscious effort that we need to have. It's a desire to be filled and to be led by the Holy Spirit of God before we even start to see any holiness or any godliness begin to shine through in our life. It takes confession And it takes repentance of sin along with that true commitment. As much as we'd like to simply snap our fingers and be made perfect in the image of Christ, our pursuit of holiness is gradual. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us about the slow and steady process of sanctification in the Christian life. In our study, we learn the importance of remaining diligent in our walk and continually pursuing holiness with confession and repentance of sin. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, What Manner of Persons, from the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. went to the doctor this last week for some critical blood tests and the doctor told you come back Monday I'll have the results this weekend already seems like an eternity for you if you're sitting here in this service this morning you can't remember if you shut the water off to the yard or not (laughs) or you can't remember if you turn the oven off or not you're thinking to yourself why is this guy rambling on and on and on (laughs) Time is relative to all of us, especially this, this side of eternity it is. And yet this one thing we can be assured of. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. We, we read in Numbers 23 that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? Peter wanted to be certain that the church then, and for you and I now, he wanted to make certain that we remembered again that these things that God declares, that God promises, he will complete it. And he didn't want us to get sidetracked by the words of those scoffers and by the ungodly. And he says, man, all of these scoffers come, they say, oh, it's not going to happen. Peter says, yes, it is going to happen. Yes, it is going to be fulfilled. God will complete what his word declares. It's in the assurance that Peter had and the same assurance that he delivers to the church that he wants us to maintain that assurance. And he writes those words in verse 11 where he says, therefore, since 
Therefore, since, because of all of that, because it is going to take place, because we know that the end of things will come about, we know that at the end of things, judgment is going to come, because we know that at the end of things, we will all stand before the Lord. He says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And again, because of this, How should we live? That's a powerful question. That's a powerful question that, that again, I've dealt with in my Christian life over and over and again, over again fresh, even this week as I've read this and studied it. And it's a question I want to lay on you this morning. And yes, it's a heavy question. And I want you to deal with it. I want you to honestly deal with it before the Lord. How should you be living if you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And then I want to ask, I want you to ask this question of yourself. Ask yourself this question. Can my conduct in life be considered as holy? Can my conduct in life be considered as holy? And secondly, is there any godliness that comes through in my everyday life? Is there any godliness that comes through in my life? And again, I'm going to defer back to a statement that I made a couple of weeks ago. Perhaps the best person to ask on that is a family member, maybe a coworker. Maybe ask the guy at the restaurant that messed up your meal. Is there any godliness that's coming through in my life right now? Oh, so you're a Christian, huh? Well, I saw your attitude long before you prayed for your meal at my restaurant. And the size of the tip that you left me showed even more. little side note here. If you pray for your meals in public, and you should, leave a good tip, okay? Leave it. Don't be a cheap Christian. Don't leave a track and a dollar, okay? Okay. If you're going to leave them a track, man, put a 10 or a 20 in there. Make it worth their while to look at it. Back on track here. Okay. <laughs> is there holiness and is there godliness shining through in your life? I'm not asking you, are, are you perfect in every way? Because every one of us are on journey. Every one of us are on journey in our lives. And there's going to be days that, man, I need to go back to that guy at the restaurant and apologize. I need to apologize to my wife and to my children. I need to apologize to my coworkers because how I responded, what I did, how I acted, that wasn't Christ in me shining through. But is there holiness and godliness shining through in your life? You might say, well, not not the other day, not, not when that guy cut me off on the freeway. No godliness showing in my life then. Pastor, I can't really call it holiness the way that I spoke to my wife or my husband, my children the other day. Pastor, the thoughts that I've been dealing with lately, they're far, far away from godliness. I would imagine that you've discovered just like I've discovered that holy conduct and godliness don't come automatic, do they? We don't just wake up in the morning and boom, 
we're, we're headed on the godly way. We're headed on the holy way. No, it is continual conscious effort that we need to have. It's a desire to be filled and to be led by the Holy Spirit of God before we even start to see any holiness or any godliness begin to shine through in our life. It takes confession and it takes repentance of sin along with that true commitment to be found faithful It takes that confession and repentance and commitment in order that holiness can outshine our sinfulness, in order that godliness can break through and overrule our fleshliness. We can't do it in our own strength. It doesn't come automatic. It's got to be done purposefully, directly, decisively in each one of our lives. God speaks to the children of Israel and he says, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. We're reminded as the writer of Hebrews declares that we are to pursue after holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Oh yeah, I, I, I understand, I get it that we are holy in Christ, that the imputation of Christ's holiness is ours when we come to Christ. That imputation means it it becomes ours. He places upon us the holiness of Christ when we come. As a matter of fact, Paul tells the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 15, 21. He says for, or 5, 21. He says, for he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Beloved, right now, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you're truly born again, you stand in righteousness because God looks at us through the filter of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is how we stand. But there is a difference also in how we stand and how we walk. And we are called to walk now in holiness to walk in a way and in a manner that shows the reality of a changed life. There needs to be within the life of a believer a practical pursuit of that holiness and of that godliness in our daily lives. It was in the late 1970s when Jerry Bridges uh, wrote a book that was published by the Navigators. Probably some of you are very familiar with it. The name of the book was The Pursuit of Holiness. The Pursuit of Holiness. And it was, it, was, it was a relatively short book. My paperback copy only has 158 pages. That's usually the kind of books that I like to read. But in that short few pages, it packs a wallop because it goes right to the heart and the reality, not only of who we are in Christ, but who we need to become. And Bridges writes in there in, in chapter three, which is titled, Holiness is Not an Option. Okay, holiness is not an option. He writes this. If there is not then at least a yearning in our hearts to live a holy life pleasing to God, we need to seriously question whether our faith in Christ is genuine. Is that heavy? It needs to be heavy needs to be direct and right to the point. If there is not at least a yearning in our hearts to live a holy life pleasing to God, we need to seriously question whether our faith in Christ is genuine. 
He also makes it really clear that although holiness is not a requirement for salvation, because that would make it work-based, we, we come by faith, it's the completed work of Christ, though it's not required for our salvation, it's absolutely necessary within our salvation. Just as these ladies demonstrated today, the, the obedience to follow the Lord in what the Lord makes so very clear for us. They were called to live those lives of obedience and of, again, holiness. And, and Bridges gives for us four reasons why it is so necessary for us to live our lives this way. Number one, he says it's necessary for our continued fellowship with God. The fellowship with God. You know what? I as a son and also as a father, if I, as a son, misbehaved and did not do what my father told me to do. Oh, I would get the discipline from my father. But you know what? It wouldn't destroy the relationship. He's still my father. But it definitely would destroy the fellowship, wouldn't it? I think every one of us, whether you are a parent or you are a child of a parent, that pretty much takes in everybody, okay? You know how that works, when the relationship with a parent is good, there's fellowship there. There's sweet communion there. But when that relationship is destroyed, then the fellowship is broken. And that's what he says. It's necessary for continued fellowship. Bridges writes, our sin separates us from the fellowship of God. When we are holding on to some sin, we are not pursuing holiness and we cannot have fellowship with God. The writer of Psalms, Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. The second thing that Bridges says that this holiness, this pursuit of holiness is necessary in our life. He says it's necessary for our spiritual and our physical well-being. Necessary for our physical and spiritual well-being. He writes, to persist in disobedience is to increase our necessity for discipline. Some of you here today, you're old enough to know what the woodshed is. The rest of you have probably heard stories of what the woodshed is. You don't want God to bring you to the woodshed. Trust me on that. And, and he will, he will bring discipline. Why? Because the word tells us in Hebrews 12, 6, for whom the Lord loves he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. He brings discipline in our life because he cares about us. This is another side note. This is on my time. Okay, no extra charge. If you are a young parent here today and you don't discipline your child because, again, you love your child so much that you would never bring discipline into your life, you're doing just the opposite. You're setting that child up for great failure. A child needs discipline, they need borders. That's not just the grandfather speaking in me, that's the word of God speaking, okay? Back on track. The third thing, why is the pursuit of holiness necessary? It's necessary for our effective service to God. Necessary for our effective service. Bridges writes, we can't bring our service to God in an unclean vessel. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, 
He says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, speaking that unclean vessel, he cleanses himself from being an unclean vessel, he will then become a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Say, Lord, I want you to use me. And the Lord says, I want you to be obedient first. You need to be obedient first. You need to seek after me. You need to pursue holiness. And then I can use you, and I can use you greatly. And some of you that are here this morning, you've been used by the Lord at various times in your life. And you think, well, why is God really not using me very much right now? Look at your life. Maybe that's the very first thing. And I'm not saying that uh, for everyone, but maybe for you this morning, the first thing you need to do is look, man, is there obedience and is there a pursuit of holiness in my life in order that I'll be that vessel that God can use? I'll tell you like I told last night's service. I look around, I don't want to offend anybody. Well, okay, if I do offend it, you'll be fine. God will not use a bedpan in service to a guest. You understand the meaning. We don't want to be that kind of a vessel before the Lord. The fourth thing. Bridges says our pursuit of holiness is necessary for the assurance of our salvation. Catch, he didn't say for the gaining or even maintaining, but for the assurance of our salvation. He writes, the only safe evidence that we are in Christ, the only safe evidence that we have that we are in Christ is a holy life. If your evidence that you are truly born again, that you are really Christ, is the fact that in the back of your Bible, you wrote the day, the place, and the time where you prayed to receive Christ in your life. Beloved, that, that's, that's not good evidence. The evidence is, again, shown in your daily life that you're living your life for him. Now, there's going to be days, okay? I've experienced those days myself where you look at your life and say, wow, am I truly a believer? Have I really been born again? But you know what? Paul tells us that. He says we all need to continue to examine our lives to see if we are in the faith or not. I think that that's a valid, I think that that's a healthy thing. And when I look at my life and I say, man, why don't I feel like I'm saved? Well, maybe it's because of the attitude or the actions or the directions of my life over the last week or month or year. Maybe what I need to do is fall on my knees before him and cry out, Lord, I believe that you saved me. I believe that, you're, that I'm your child. But Lord, I've been walking in disobedience and dishonor to you. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me. Cleanse my heart anew. Like David, as he prayed, after his sin with Bathsheba, he writes in the Psalms, he says, when I was quiet about my sin, my, my, my bones just wasted away within me. Then he prayed and he acknowledged his sin before the Lord. And he cried out, man, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is our seal as believers, this side of the cross. I believe that, again, as a believer, he is there. But we can miss the fullness, the joy, the completeness, the empowerment, the victory of that Holy Spirit in our life when we're not walking in obedience. Paul tells us in Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these 
are the sons of God. That's the assurance that we have. So with the knowledge and the assurance of salvation, as well as a continued, that growing fellowship that we have with God, we as his people are, as Peter says here in verse 12. He says, we are looking for, we are hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. So let me come back to the very first question I ask you. Are you looking forward to his appearance? What joy shall fill my heart? Or is there fear and uncertainty? There should be no fear for the believer, only that continued expectation of the completeness and of the fulfillment of his promises where he says, as he says in in 2 Thessalonians, he says, that he may be revealed in his own time. Jesus is coming. I'll say it again. You guys caught it over here probably because I was looking at you. Jesus is coming. Amen. Amen. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But every day is one day closer. Every hour is one hour closer. Is your heart really ready for his appearance? As a believer, are you really walking in obedience to him? Or are you taking the blood of Jesus Christ for granted? You're taking your salvation for granted. Oh, I'm saved. I can live any way that I want to. Then I doubt if you're really saved. Okay? That's just the reality of God's word there. If you can say that you're saved and at the same breath say, I can live any way that I want to. Except when you think of it in the way that Augustine said it. Augustine, well, some say it was Augustine. Others say others. He says, love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then go live any way you want to. Think about it. If you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, how are you going to want to live for his glory? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and live the way now that you want to because it's not according to the flesh, it's for his glory. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, the word is the same to you. Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. And wouldn't it be better to meet him and to see him, to stand before him as he is your Savior rather than as your judge. Today you can make that difference in your life, that you might commit your heart and life to Jesus Christ, that you might recognize that you can't save yourself. No good works, no amount of good works, no matter how how many uh, leaves you turn over, no matter how many different ways you turn your life around, you cannot do it on your own. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness that you can really truly come to know the forgiveness of God, the cleansing of your sin, and knowing an eternity with God as your father rather than as your judge. Why would you put that off when the long suffering and the patience and the mercy of God continues to reach out? When will that long suffering end? When will his patience end? Open our hearts, change us from within by the 
It's easy to overlook the smaller books of the New Testament, such as this short letter of 2 Peter. That's why it's so great to have a teaching like the one you heard today, where Pastor David was able to remind us of its importance and take us deeper into the meaning behind the words. If you want to keep studying through these audio messages, Pastor David is here to share with you how you can do that. Thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. In his letter, the Apostle Peter spoke forcefully of the coming day of the Lord, where the earth will pass away and everything here will be gone. He gives us instruction on how we should live in light of this fact and encourages us to diligently pursue godliness. These teachings from so long ago are still practical lessons for living a godly life that we need to study and apply today. We hope you've been encouraged, but also challenged to go deeper in your walk with Christ. Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor David's message. Be sure to join us again to continue studying 2 Peter right here on The Open Word. Make us more.